look forward today to being able to introduce a new friend somewhat to Alabama Baptist life. His name is Harrison Smith, and Harrison is one of the primary ones we relate with in, at the Alliance for the Defense of Freedom. And Harrison is uh, newlywed, not been married very long, so he's off the market, ladies. And he is a bright young man. We've grown to appreciate him. He's been counseling us and advising us, better word, related to uh, issues that are pertinent in our culture and how we is, can maintain our Christian witness and also be able to protect our religious liberty, which is utmost of it in importance. All of us know that. So Harrison, sort of begin by, by the way, I, every time I call your name Harrison, I almost say Ford. It just almost comes out that way. And you do not have any resemblance to him. No, Kirk, uh, run, maybe. Same, same family, same, uh, yeah. some relation somewhere down the line. Yeah. Right. But a, a fellow with two last names, uh, Harrison and Smith. But nonetheless, we, we are delighted you're with us today. And it's kind of give us a background, uh, how you've come to where you are in ADF, Alliance of Defense of Freedom, and, and tell us about being a newlywed, because a lot of us, uh, well, we can't hardly remember that. Yeah, that's uh, two long stories. I will make them as short as I can. So uh, Georgia boy, born and bred, went to the University of Georgia. Go dogs. No oh, you're you're a dog, huh? I am. D-A-W-G-S, dog. Yeah, D-A-W-G-S, that's right. <laughs> Spelling yeah. it the other way doesn't make any sense. Don't make no sense. So yeah. I graduated from University of Georgia, studied marketing, moved to South Florida for my first job right out of school, um, working down there for a few years. And out of college, I began to uh, read a lot, began to really begin to pay attention to what was going on in the culture and, and uh politics, et cetera. And in that journey, I came across the work of ADF. My parents actually had been uh, familiar with ADF and serving ADF, donating to ADF for years, um, mm. beginning in 94. So I grew up hearing about Alliance Defending Freedom, never really knowing what it was. But when I started to begin to pay attention to things, my parents were like, hey, you may actually appreciate this ministry that you know we've been working with for years. So actually gave me a book called the ACLU versus America, ACLU mm. being the American Civil, Civil Liberties Union, uh, kind of the antithesis of ADF. Um, but the the book, in short, just highlighted this legal battle that was happening behind the scenes that most people, at the, especially at that point, back in the early 90s, early 2000s, most people were unaware of. Yeah. And as I was reading this, I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea this was happening. And I said, I know if I don't know, because I'm trying to pay attention as best I can, I know my peers don't know. And so the Lord really just lit a fire in me uh, kind of on these this issue of religious liberty. And long story short, he took me to Arizona to help launch a, uh, a territory with my old company, which just happens to be where ADF is uh, home-based. Uh -huh. And I took a tour because I knew some people at ADF at this point, and they ended up offering me a job. Um, and I'm not an attorney. So I was like, what am I going to do at a law firm? And they said, well, there's, there's, you know, the whole nonprofit ministry side of things. And so uh, I joined, that was uh, 10 years ago, this coming January. So I've been there almost oh. a decade, which is crazy. Um, and in my first few years, I was in the development side, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. 
but then you got moved over to this church alliance team when we created it uh, in order to help churches proactively navigate these issues. And so now I work with people like you, Dr. Lance, on the denominational level. I work with ministries, namely camps and rescue missions across the country. And I just love it. It's I, I get an opportunity to uh, I, I call it create blinders off moments because mm-hmm. I had this moment yeah. of my blinders coming off and going, oh, my gosh, this is so important. And so I want to create that for others. I want to help the church understand uh, as Rosaria Butterfield said in an interview I heard recently, the church needs to understand what time it is and we mm, need to be paying yeah. attention and acting accordingly. And she said, you can't go outside in Wisconsin in shorts in February. You need to know what time it is. And so that's how I got here. Um, and I love what I do. I love to get to work with you guys. Um, so that's the answer to the first question. Any thoughts on that? Because marriage is totally switching gears. <laughs> well, first of all, it's good to have myself corrected. I've been saying Alliance for Defensive Freedom is Alliance Defending Freedom, which makes more sense. ADF. Well, you were uh, you were combining. Close. You were combining. Our original name was um, was still ADF, but it was the Alliance Defense Fund. But then people thought we were military contractors or something. Yeah. That was weird. So we kept the kept the acronym and moved it to Alliance Defending Freedom. Yeah, I would think if I were just a general reader, I would have thought that too. Maybe a contractor. Yeah. Like. Call in trying to donate for you know military contract stuff, and yeah. we're like, what? No, that's no. Well, we I thought maybe you were funding mercenaries or something. Right. right? <laughs> not, well, not not that I'm aware of. Well, we have now you got to tell us about the pilgrimage to marriage. Yes. So I'm 35, got married at 33. So we're this month, a year and a half in. Yeah. Um, And so I work, I work from home. I'm a regional alliance director is my title. So I kind of cover the Southeast uh, and I, and I work remote and always have even pre COVID. So I was a remote worker before it became cool. And go to a small church. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm kind of a homebody. I like to garden. I like to woodwork. I'm kind of like an 80 year old in terms of my hobbies. Um, So that being the case, there was nobody I could meet at work. There was nobody I could meet at my church or there wasn't anybody. I don't go out to the bars or do that. So it was like, I couldn't find, find anybody. And so I reluctantly had a friend convince me to get into online dating, which I don't recommend. Don't yeah. it's awful. It's unhuman. It's weird. Yeah. But it did work for me. So there is that. But it in the meantime, it was terrible. Um, I went on 75 first dates. 75. That's not a joke. That's not an exaggeration. I think I went to 75. And then I met my wife on the 76th. Ah. So she had also been convinced to get into online dating, except unlike me, who was on and off for five years, she was on for three days. And then huh? She and I met, I was the first guy she went out with. And then we were engaged nine months later, married four months after that. And now we're a year and a half in. So God uses all things, even atrocious things like online dating. Well, now that is one interesting story and I'm not trying to blow smoke. Um, That is one interesting story about online dating. And I have, I've got to ask, do you remember all 75 names? No. My well, do you remember you know, 10 I of them? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I actually have trouble remembering the 75th because they, they were all first dates. It was once, yeah. and it was like, nope, that's not it. Yeah, and a lot of it was honestly, you know, as a believer, 
in the South, everybody is like, oh, because you can put what your religion is. And I had a filter where I'd only allow, you know, matches that said Christian. But most dates on my first dates, I would be like, hey, you know, help help me understand your relationship with the Lord. And most people, like the vast majority actually didn't. They were cultural Christians. So I was like, this isn't, I'm not trying to missionary here. So very quickly, it was like, well, I hope you enjoyed the ice cream. I don't think this is going to work. We're just going different directions. So, well, that is a good story. You you gave us a, kind of a general understanding of what you do and Alliance Defending Freedom. And I have to I have to say to the audience that Harrison is a very gifted man. He has worked with us, and he's working with associations, churches across our state and at other places too. I'm just talking about Alabama, but he recently. Well, he's twice been a guest presenter at our Christian Life Commission. And the last meeting that Harrison had with us, I'll have to tell all of you this, that everyone there said that's the best presentation they had ever heard in any kind of setting that we have had. So, mm-hmm. Harrison, you you really Praise scored. Lord. Yes, sir. And you, as I say, you're gifted. You understand what you're talking about. So, Help us understand, uh, not everyone listening, of course, is totally naive. In fact, they're pretty well informed, but it's hard to be totally informed about what's going on. Would you just name maybe two, three, four matters of keen interest out there that you think Christian leaders and churches need to know about? Yeah, that's a great question. So we we actually had an internal meeting a week or two ago where our uh, CEO and, and lead counsel, Kristen Wagner, was addressing all of ADF. And we have what we call our generational wins. These are the things, the five things that were um, basically guide us and keep us within the guardrails because there's so much to do. And if you're focused on everything, you're focused on nothing. Um, and we even narrowed down those five to a particular three issues that we foresee are either current and need addressing or are just over the horizon and we need to be ready for. Um, The first was gender identity. The second is parental rights. And those are obviously intrinsically related. And then the third is, uh, could probably be summed up as cancel culture and debanking. So to to break those down uh, a little further, the first gender identity, I probably don't have to go too much into this. People are very well aware of all of the debates going on in our culture around gender identity. The problem is, is it's not just a debate. Is There are laws changing. There are policies being put in place that make it to where uh, a Christian or a pastor or a church or ministry may not have the option to live according to their biblical belief on gender. So as believers, we believe in the inerrancy of God's word. Therefore, we believe Genesis 1 and 2 is true, that God made male and female. And because of those things, that now dictates how we love and serve our neighbor. So if our neighbor is struggling with their gender, you know, as a believer, we understand God made male and female, but how we love them, that's that's kind of gray. There, you can't turn in your biblical concordance and, and look up, you know, how do I struggle with somebody who calls themselves a gender? Or, yeah. or, or, you know, whatever. And so the church is really trying to be biblical and stand for truth on this hard topic while also doing it in a loving and winsome way. And that's tough. 
And what's tough is it's the one, the culture in general is not very tolerant of the biblical view of this. But well, then that's, two, an, that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah, that was generous. <laughs> but then two, laws are being passed. So, for example, there's what's called um, a sexual orientation gender identity law or a SOGI law that says you can't discriminate against someone's sexual orientation and gender identity in things like employment, housing, public accommodations. So if you've got a, um, let's say you've got a camp, if you've got a Christian camp and you've got a young student male who comes, but the parents say, hey, uh, we want Timmy to be in the girl's cabin because, you know, Timmy is Tabitha and and, and uh, identifies as a girl. Well, now the camp is, is in a weird position because it, one, we want, it's like you want that student here, but you don't want to jeopardize them or the girls by, you know, blending all that up. Even if you're a day camp and a youth group where there's no overnight facilities, there's no changing facilities, no one's changed into a bathing suit or anything like that. It's just a small group, you know, uh, environment. Well, if you, we all know that if you're a bunch of guys trying to have a small group and talk about guy stuff and there's a girl in the room, no one's going to really be open up and real. And same with if you got a pack of girls and there's a boy in the room, they're not going to open up. And so even, even when there's not anything like a changing facility or cabins or anything like that, it has a big impact on ministry. And there are laws, these SOGI laws say, if somebody asks to be in that cabin, you have to do it. I don't care what your biblical beliefs are. I don't care that you're a Christian camp. I don't care. You cannot discriminate against that person's gender identity. And there's laws like this, hundreds of them across the country. Birmingham, Alabama actually has one of the most aggressive in the country. Yes. Now, they haven't yes. begun employing the law yet, but it's it's been seated and it's kind of waiting underground to be, to be used. And so... Uh, the gender identity thing, uh, I'll make this statement and then move to the next one. The gender identity issue, you know, when when the laws change and the culture change, that changes how we do ministry. It has an impact. And so what we have to do as believers is, is be paying attention, pick our head up every once in a while and understand what's going on around us, what's on the horizon, because eventually it's going to impact our ability to minister. And yeah. the gender identity bit in particular touches everything it touches all of us it touches the the schooling system it touches health care it touches your ability to minister it touches parental rights and so that's probably the biggest issue that adf is trying to focus on and help um both in the culture and in the church and in the legal system um because it's what's scary about it is dissent is not allowed and it's mm. and it's you are shut down, canceled, moved out to the fringes if you don't go along with the cultural whims. Well said. And the second so, one? And the second one is parental rights. Um, so the gender identity one is here and yeah. and growing. Parental rights is just over the horizon, is just crested the horizon, but we we see that it's on its way. In fact, ADF has created a a legal team specifically to begin to tackle and prepare for the parental rights battles. Um, and that that is basically the the core of that argument that our culture is having is who gets to raise your children? Is that the job of the parents or is that the job of experts and the government? 
and trained professionals. Um, and that sounds like a, for, for us as believers, that's a really silly question. But there's laws being passed that are saying, that are taking away parental rights to go, if a child chooses to identify this way, again, tied to the first issue, right? then, then you have to go along with it or else there may be consequences. And there's numerous things I could point to. One of the most egregious to me is just a piece of legislation that was proposed in the state of Virginia where uh, a, a, a legislator proposed a law that would make it a uh, criminal um, criminal abuse, child abuse, if you did not go along with the gender identity whims of your child. It would be and it, and it would be a felony. Felony child abuse. If your daughter said, hey, I think I'm a boy. I want to go get a double mastectomy. And you said, well, let's maybe get some counseling first and talk through it. If they if they went and and ratted on you, you could be um, I mean, it sounds like the 1984. Right. Very Orwellian. Yes. Um, Now, Alabama. Praise God for Alabama. Alabama has a piece of legislation that is actually on the books. It was passed. That's the opposite. That is um, not against parents, but against medical professionals, counselors, school administrators that says if you against the parents rights, try to alter, change, push for a gender identity against the wishes of the parents or medically do so, that that's actually a criminal offense, which is correct. Now, yeah. y'all passed that law and and ADF is actually having to defend that law in court because the other side immediately, as soon as y'all passed that law, immediately sued saying that that's unconstitutional uh, and we're having to defend that law in court. But that's all parental rights kind of issues. Yes. The third one. The third is cancellation and debanking. Um, so this is just over the horizon. This is a very new thing but shouldn't surprise us. So ADF historically has had to fight the federal government because that's, we're a constitutional law firm. So the constitution protects us against the government. So when the government tramples on our religious liberty rights, you have a constitutional right to defend yourself. And that's what ADF exists to do. What we're seeing now is it's not just the government that's beginning to encroach and, and prevent you from being able to live according to your faith. Corporations and large businesses are now doing that. Yes, that's that's social media, Twitter, Facebook. There's some lawsuits there uh, or whether that's in in the case uh, I want to mention to you of debanking. So we had an issue with a church and a ministry out of Tennessee. They operate a a nonprofit in Africa to help orphans and the poor. And one day they got uh, some communications from Chase saying, hey, we have canceled your bank accounts and your credit cards. And you're no longer hmm. banking with us. Then the church said, okay, what, what's going on? Why? We didn't get notice of this earlier. What's going on? And Chase just silence, silent treatment, never got an answer. Um, that's one. And we're, we're now trying to investigate to figure out what we can do to help. Because again, there's the constitution doesn't protect you against corporations. If a corporation says, I don't want to do business with you, they have that right. And we, and it should be that way. But at the same time, if, if all of a sudden you've got big banks saying, oh, I see that you're a Christian. I don't like who you are, what you do, what you believe. You're just no longer allowed to bank here. Um, or, you know, Zoom, 
that we're currently on saying, hey, we don't like what you're about. You're no longer allowed to use our program and software. That's a problem. So what do we do about that while also trying to not force corporations to, you know, toe a certain line? Because we don't like that when it happens on the other side. So it's this it's this very new territory that we've never been in. Um, But ADF ourselves has we've had. So we got um, Salesforce is our, our what we call our CRM program that we use internally. And last I think it was last year. They basically said, "Hey, we don't like who you are. You're, we're terminating our contract with you." And every mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole organization is run on Salesforce. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. very damaging to the ministry. We're able to work with them, and we're completing our contract. They're allowing us to complete our contract, but then they're terminating. Um, we've had issues with Zoom. We've had issues with. Um, we just moved over our main website, which obviously is a big part of our ministry. Uh, our web provider said, we don't want to work with you anymore and are canceling us. So that's on the rise. And that's on the rise for groups like ADF that are on the front line. And the Tennessee example I mentioned, it's a small church with a small international ministry that the bank just said, we don't want to work with you. So that's a major issue that we're beginning to to, to look into. Well, Harrison, all this is extremely enlightening. I was reflecting while you were talking about when I was coming along in college and seminary and we were dealing with culture, trying to understand culture. And then it was a lot more simple than it is now Hmm. that best way we describe it. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. And that is the struggle that we're having. And we certainly need people like you to help us be able to crystallize the issues and identify them in a way in which we can uh, understand them. Hmm. I also would uh, would like to say that what Harrison has been talking about uh, on the horizon, we know what's already here, the gender issues, but what's on the horizon is foreseeable. It's not some distant beyond. It's, it's, right, around, it's right over the horizon. It's like the sun just coming up. Mm-hmm. And so we as Christian leaders need to be aware of all this. I think that uh, there are a lot of terms we could use to describe culture, and some of them sound pejorative. We don't mean it necessarily that way, but we have to have some kind of a term to describe what we think is going on. It's encroachment, uh, to say the least. And I, I think mm-hmm. I would say this, and I normally don't get into political statement. So I won't mention, I won't, will not mention the name of the president, but we had a president who made the statement that religious liberty is freedom of worship is what you do on Sunday morning. And that's it. And I thought to myself, that is a not, that's not a good understanding of religious liberty. It's more than freedom of worship. It's freedom of witness. It's freedom of work. And and, uh, what you were talking about, cancellation culture in relationship to corporations, that is such a new phenomenon to think about corporations. That does sound big brotherish, not just with government, but it it is so imposing to think about a day in which we would live when we have to be isolated. And that is exactly what the counter uh, issues, the people who have different worldview have been saying about us, that we... We isolate people, and I don't think that was intentional, but this is very intentional, seemingly to me, to marginalize, if not 
minimize the witness that we have as Christians. So you've helped us identify that, and we certainly appreciate it. And I will say to the audience that uh, through Alabama Baptist, we have scholarships that will help your church be able to establish a relationship with ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, it, it, he will help you with your documents, and he, he and others will be able to be consulting you. And if you ever do have legal challenges which come your way, you, you'll have no better friend than ADF. And Harrison, I do appreciate your time today. I, I can think of a, a lot of things I'd like to discuss with you. In fact, I've been extremely quiet. I normally am in more dialogue, but, but I wanted our listeners to hear the, the tr triad of issues you mentioned. And I'd heard them before, but every time I hear them, it's, it's really refreshing. Yeah, and, Dr. Lance, you brought you brought. If I can make a comment on something, yes, because I think because I think it's really important. Um, two things you said. It's not that it, this thing. I heard I heard a pastor say it really well the other day. I thought I thought he nailed it. He said it's not that the church has gotten more political. It's that yeah. politics have gotten more religious, and that's the point. They're encroaching on what the church. This is what we've always been doing. This is what I would believed. I would add to that up and say they've become anti-Christian. Yes. Anti faith. Which which the word says should not surprise us. No. While while these things are scary and it's changing quickly, we also when we read the word, it's like don't be surprised when right. Yes. And so and and the, the the other note I wanted to make is that shouldn't surprise us because the deceiver, our spiritual enemy, all he wants to do is mess up our witness. Yes. If he can keep, if he can keep the truth within the four walls of the church, four walls of your home and your mind, and it's not going out into the workplace and the school and the neighborhood, then it's not impactful. He can't impact our faith. That's solidified. But what he right. can do is prevent us from multiplying. And so right. through fear, intimidation, cultural pressure, cancellation, moving you to the margins, that's how he does it. And so that's what we're seeing. And so it's not about we got to protect ourselves as the church so we can continue being the church. The church will always continue. If right. the church goes underground and goes under persecution, we'll grow, probably, because right. that's what history proves. Yeah. So it's not about defending our little Christian thing we've been doing for the last 250 years here in America. It's about defending the ability to freely, openly share the truth so that yes. our neighbors can hear it, whether that's the truth of the gospel, the truth about the beauty of marriage or your identity, which is in, in your in your what you identify in, but it's in at being a son or a daughter. Like if we lose this thing, the Christians don't lose. The church doesn't yeah. lose. We win. If it gets hard or worse, that's crowns in heaven. But the loser are neighbors who don't know the Lord, who will no longer be able to hear the truth. So that's what we're fighting for. Well said. And I might add that I did not mean to sound like we're in a fortress mentality. I, I no, do think, no, 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 I, I don't see it that way. I do think that we have to recognize without sounding like we're martyrs uh, yet anyway, that we are having a form of persecution in our 21st century here in America, which uh, persecution is just an unheard of thought word, but there are all kinds of persecution. It's not just burning someone at the stake. It's, it's actually minimizing 
and trying to marginalize, if not just completely eliminate their faith or witness. And yes, you're right. Historically, the church has done very well under persecution. So there's always hope. And we want to end on that hopeful note that That's you right. so well just stated that our hope is not found in government. Our hope is not found in corporations. Praise God. <laughs> our hope That's is not found movie. in our military. Our hope is not found in the American flag as much as we love this country. Or the our, Constitution. Or, That's exactly Because that right. can all go away like that. Yes, and for every culture that's come along, it has eroded. Right. And uh, our current president said that the U.S. will live forever. Well, that's not true. The U.S. will not live forever. Only our Lord and his people will live forever. Amen. We are in a construct of democracy, and it's the best of the worst forms of government, as Winston Churchill once said. <laughs> that's right. And we also live in a time of chaos. Now, chaos has always been with us, but it's magnified today. And in the midst of chaos, I, I don't want to sound preachy, but I just simply have to say and remind our audience that when we get into woe is me and how bad things are, hmm. we need to remember that Christ is the Christ of every crisis. Amen. And we're more than conquerors through him. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Thank you, Harrison. You have been an excellent person to be able to dialogue with this, this day. And I trust our listeners will tune in for our next version of One Mission, the podcast. And remember that as you live your life and walk by faith, that you don't do it alone. There are other believers there with you. And that mainly the Holy Spirit of God is there. We are never left alone. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. God bless you all. Thank you, my friend, Harrison. Thank you, Dr. Lance.